welcome to Making Business Profitable with EGS. What is EGS? It's EBITDA Growth Systems. What is EBITDA? EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Why is EBITDA important? Because it tells you how much your business is worth. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee to double your profits within three years or give you your money back. So welcome back. Hey, we're going to try something a little different this morning. We want to uh, open up with uh, something more personal, and, uh, and and maybe if it works, we're going to continue with it. So Dave, uh, do you have something you want to share with us this morning? <laughs> well, it's not that I have a drinking problem at all, but... If I were to talk about anything special, you know, I tried this new uh, horse soldier with my son-in-law Darius, and uh, it's a, it's a bourbon, and they have they have three different bourbons, and it's really good. I'm, I'm a Buffalo Trace esque kind of bourbon guy, and uh, it was riding along those lines. But if you haven't tried horse soldier, it's really it's smooth, um, and it's it's good. It's we're, really good. We're, so we we also have a. Uh... Chris Latino from Latino Associates. Uh, he was willing to come back and join us. Hey, welcome back, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, Chris, are you a bourbon drinker at all? I am not. Um, unfortunately, I made a, a stupid bet with myself that I would not have another drink until I got a hole-in-one, and I oh, rarely boy. golf anymore. Oh, so boy. It is, uh, <laughs> I may, never, may not ever have another bourbon in my life, which is unfortunate. Yes. So we're, we're not too far from a par three hole. We just need to go out there every day and just take about a dozen or so shots. So farming. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris made a run at uh, uh, trying to be a professional golfer. Nice. Uh, so he, he's a golfer, and I know you're a golfer. Uh, I, I use that term loosely for me, but we've got to get Chris out there. He needs to lose, use the term loosely for me, too. Yeah. I do much better at drinking bourbon than golf. Yeah. Not that I have a drinking problem, because I don't. Well, at least that's what my wife tells me. You know, he doth protest too much, man. <laughs> no, I, I know you're not drinking, bro. Hey, what? Why are we having this podcast today again? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, since we have Chris here, we want to continue with some, some you know, tax-related issues for small to medium-sized businesses. I mean, there's so many gotchas out there for the small to medium-sized business owner. And so wanted to just leverage Chris's time this morning and and talk about a couple of things that really tend to, to impact the small business owner and, and their tax profile. And I think the first one is just the entity formation. Um, what, what do you think about that, Chris? Absolutely. Um, you definitely want to start getting your business on the right foot. And one of the things that a lot of small business owners and medium business owners um, don't consider enough is, is what type of entity to be. Um, there are different advantages for the different types of entities. Uh, no entity like LLC, S-Corp, C-Corp, that kind of stuff? Correct, exactly. And, and certain ones have different uh, tax preferences, certain ones have uh, different operational preferences depending on how many owners they are, what type of owners there are, um, if there's a desire to go public someday, um, have different kinds of stock. There's all kinds of differences that as you're forming a company, uh, too many people just jump in and and start doing business without correctly trying to um, pave the road before you drive on it. And so along those lines, another major error with the entity is um, getting the correct relationships um, specifically with the lawyer to not only 
help you um, with the entity selection or with the CPA with the entity selection, but also the operating agreement itself. Um, anytime you're about to get into to business with somebody else, if there's multiple owners, um, there are bound to be disagreements. And so you want to make sure that operating agreement um, outlines all the bad possible scenarios that can go on that right now, while it's rainbows and Skittles, it's, it's easy to say, hey, we'll just figure it out when we get there. But it's when you have problems that you want to have a playbook to go to and say, all right, we already outlined this when we were getting along. Now this is what happens when we aren't. Sure, sure. Um, you want it to be a big, robust document as well, where it even addresses weird things like divorce and you know natural disasters, pandemics, any kind of things that may or may not happen. How to admit new members or, or partners or, or stockholders. Um, how to terminate ones if needed. And so it, it really should be a, a, a good starting of a business. Um, a yeah, lot when we talk when we talk to different business owners, you know, some people are like, hey, me and Cliff, we're we're good friends, we're starting a business and we're just drawing it right down the middle. We're gonna be fifty fifty on everything. Well do you have an operating agreement? No, but we have you know, we have stock, it's fifty fifty. It's like, well, what happens when it's, I like that, rainbows and skills. What happens when it's not rainbows and skills? What do you do? It That's doesn't... my favorite argument. When you have an even number of partners or members, who gets the tie-breaking vote? Or what do you do if there is a tie? And so there should be language in there that, hey, so-and-so, you know, Norm put in the most money, Norm gets the tie-breaking vote. Or um, perhaps you have it go to a, a mediator, but then now you're having somebody that may know the situation for an hour make the final determination on something that could have, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of consequences. And so that's exactly a, a great reason why to get that agreement perfect up front. Right, right. That's, uh, Mike and I decided over a poker game and he beat me, so uh, that's how Mike got it. You know, when I, when I was in law school, uh, this was back when we were still writing quills. Back in the 30s? Yes. 30s? Octopus Inc.? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> there was not a great deal of uh, discussion around the LLC. This would have been back in the early 90s. Um, and I know that LLCs have been around longer than the early 90s, but it's it's fairly new as an entity type. That's correct. And, and for the most part, for your small and... Um, medium-sized businesses, most will start as an LLC and possibly make an election to be taxed as an S-corporation. Yes. Um, there are, depending on, like we said, the number of people that are getting into the business, um, how profitable it is, um, and as long as there aren't any special, special circumstances where you would go into a C-corporation, most of the time, most of your businesses these days will be an LLC or an S corporation. And yeah, like, so when you have a baby boomer that you know they they've never heard of an LLC, right? So it's like ah, I don't I don't know when I want to be a C corp. Well, a scale of one to ten, if, if a C corp is a ten, what would you give a LLC in terms of overhead and level of difficulty to get into and maintain? I would say an LLC, um, especially if there's a, a few number of owners you can form in an hour uh, versus a C corporation you, you're dealing with stock and things like that it's uh, yes if there's multiple owners you're gonna have to really work on that operating agreement but to actually file the documents to get an LLC started takes about 
15 minutes and to get an ID number takes about five more minutes. So the moral of the story is if you're going to form a C Corp and S Corp and LLC, get with your CPA, get with your lawyer, really vet that to see what's going to fit best for your business and what you're going after and, and really make the best decision for you and lean on those experts if you don't know already, right? What, what else, if we're talking about five or four or five hour many we get to pitfalls of small business, what else are you seeing? Well, one more thing on that, the lawyer-CPA thing, that's another really important pitfall to avoid is, is the relationships. Making sure that as a business owner, you're getting the correct relationships. We already talked about the lawyers and the CPA. Another huge choice is, um, especially with smaller businesses, even medium-sized businesses, is a bookkeeper. You're typically not big enough to have an entire accounting department or an accounting staff. And so you've really got to develop a good bookkeeping relationship that can help you keep those uh, records correct, um, a lot of the little filings, things like that. And another giant pitfall with a, a relationship perspective is a payroll provider. And so somebody that's filing the quarterly payroll reports for your, your employees, that's doing 1099s, that's doing the W-2s at the end of the year, because um, a lot of these seemingly mundane reports have a lot of penalties with them if you don't do them correctly and can also um, pierce through the corporate veil and go directly on the owner if, if you mess them up and so I resemble that remark <laughs> oh boy uh, a million plus payroll tax uh, a lot of it penalty but uh, just just mismanaging payroll because like I, I could do that myself and uh you know, just having a third party handling payroll is, it just makes good sense. You, you can't do it cheaper internally. No. And, and, but you could do it much worse internally. You got to have a bookkeeper and check in with your accounting firm quarterly just so that happens. So you can get to business. So you can just execute on your business and make money and let them make sure the back office is taken care of well. It's yeah. super critical. What do you think about the banking relationship uh, and as part of that? Uh, Backstop. I think it's absolutely necessary. Um, certainly in our, our first podcast, we talked about the PPP and a lot of these local banks were able to streamline that process and, and the people that had relationships with their banker has paid off, but also the ability to get um, a parachute in the form of an equity line or something along those lines um, with a local bank or something that's you know willing to take a risk on a, a new company. Um, it, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. What, so, el what, uh, what, what else is uh, one of those things you really would lean on a small business to avoid? Um, a lot of people want to always look at the deductions and how can I save more on taxes? What are, what are some more deductions I can take? Uh, and to that, we always um, use the analogy, don't let the tail tell the dog where it's going. Uh, the deductions should happen naturally, and, and there's a lot of year-end planning um, with in regard to accelerated depreciation and, and new equipment purchases and some really big potential deductions here. But that's where a lot of pitfalls happen as well, is that you may have somebody taking a ton of accelerated depreciation uh, in the current year where they're in a relatively low tax bracket and forego the, the deductions on that new piece of equipment in future years, and essentially they've just cut off their nose to spite their face. Um, it, it just doesn't work. Um, the other issue that goes along with that is, you know, the necessity of some of that equipment planning is 
is this piece of equipment, if I buy it, is it going to have a return on investment? Is it going to uh, make money for us? Is it something that's really necessary? Do I need a brand new giant pickup truck for our accounting office? No. And it, it doesn't make natural sense. Well, well I, I mean, that's a bad example because I think anybody <laughs> could use a nice <laughs> That's That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Watkins and the big pickup truck. You should see the truck this guy drives. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, another area where there's a, a giant pitfall, specifically in the state of Colorado, and this is um, you know a nationwide problem, but it, it's got some very strict penalties in Colorado, is the employee versus contractor relationship. What do you mean, like uh, having someone work for you and call them a contractor? Or are you talking about like hiring an outside contractor? A little bit of both, and so it is. If you're having anyone do services for you. Um, defining the relationship as to whether or not they're one of your employees or whether or not they are a contractor. Uh, where you can run into to massive problems is if you call someone a contractor, you're going to save on payroll taxes for them because you don't have any Social Security or Medicare requirements and you don't have any workers' comp requirements or, or anything like that. But if they come to your office, they work in your office, they're working on your stuff, they don't have their own business, and something happens to that person, um, let's say a bad case, say they die, their heirs are going to come along and you know look to get remedies from the, the company. And if the state goes in and reclassifies them um, as an employee that you know now workers' comp doesn't come into play because you didn't have it for them, you're talking about business closers. So what do you do? Do you just make sure you have a 1099 on file or do you need to do more than that? Uh, a lot more than that in the state of Colorado. Um, so the state of Colorado has some of the vaguest restrictions and some of the greatest penalties. Um, the, the relationship is defined as a two-fold test in Colorado where whether or not the person you're going to hire is customarily engaged in business and a degree of control that you can exert on them. And customarily engaged in business, when the state goes and audits, they said, all right, show me your business card, show me your website, show me that you are a office manager for hire, that you're doing this for other people in the world. And so a lot of times the state doesn't even have to go to the second test because a lot of people that are being classified as uh, contractors don't have their own business. They're, they just don't, and so that's an automatic failure. Um, the second one, a degree of control, again, if you're paying somebody hourly, if they're working at your location, if you're determining their hours, how they do their job, um, it, it, it's kind of a, a test where you can also kind of have hiccups. Uh, a true contractor is somebody like if you pay somebody to mow your lawn. You don't care how they mow your lawn, you don't care when they mow your, their lawn, you're gonna pay them a certain amount, they bill you for the lawn and you, you get your lawn mowed. Right on, yeah, that's a, that's a, it just gives me the willies because I, I, I mean, I'm an attorney and I know that I've. Uh, no, hold on a second. Before you finish, before you finish that, you're an attorney. You you do everything right every time, right? And, and doesn't all don't all attorneys do everything right all the time? Absolutely, Dave. Can we ask his wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, I think that's a that's very real. And if you're a small to medium sized business, maybe you have survived and 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 not encountered it. And so you think I'm good, and so you're giving that advice and counsel to others, um, and uh, they may not be so lucky. So, yeah, I tell you, tell you what, I, I think going forward, as far as we talk to our clients, 
and we have a 10 and 9 contractor relationship. That really applies. That's some great information. It really does. What else, what else you got, Chris? Um, another one I was going to say is a, a big pitfall is, is taking care of your employees properly or not taking care of your employees properly. And so um, it also leads to one of the major tax savings one that we'll cover as well, but it's um, little things like potentially providing health insurance and health insurance that makes sense. And so if you have a lot of uh, lower wage earners, having a health insurance plan that has a $20,000 deductible doesn't help them. And so picking the right plans and rewarding those employees, having um, some cafeteria plans, Section 125 of the, the tax code offers all these things where you can offer to employees where they can get some uh, child care and, and have that come out of their paycheck instead of through compensation and there's some savings there. Uh, but the, the major employee thing as far as where people mess up and it's also a huge tax potential is retirement planning is offering a, a plan for your employees is gonna keep your employees, but for the owners, that's also one of the best tax deferral tools that a CPA has at its disposal. Wow, no, that's a, man, I, those are things I just don't think about, and uh, it's good to know, and we need to provide that advice and counsel to our existing uh, clients, and uh, you know, since you're upstairs, we get to come upstairs and, and run it by you, um, so, just so thankful that uh, you're willing to come and share with us this morning, and and uh, you you got to know that you're going to be on our show a lot more going forward in the future because it's just such rich, such rich uh, information that you're sharing. It's great information. I really, really appreciate you coming down, and spending time with us today. Um, we got a couple different episodes with you today, this and the PPP, um, and we we need to go ahead and make an appointment for Mike's uh, great big truck, and, <laughs> and to see how we can expense that as a as a consulting firm, so... Uh, right on, Dave. <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, I'm going to go back to my horse soldier here soon. Uh, it's it's wonderful to surround yourself with people that understand the things that you don't. If you're in business, you need a good financial advisor, a good accounting firm, you need a bookkeeper, you need an advisor, you need a good lawyer... There are people around you to bolster the viability of your business, to make you successful, and to reduce future stress that you may not even know that's coming. But, stress, liability, and exposure, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, thanks again for listening. Hopefully, you guys have a wonderful day. And thank you again, Chris. Thanks for having me again. All right, man. All right. Bye. Right on, Mike. Right on, Dave. systems do what we do because we want to impact lives through improving business performance if you want more information go to our contact page at www.ebitagrowsystems.com that's e-b-i-t-d-a growthsystems.com